Welcome back into the Stretch Big Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Bigelow. It's been a little bit. I apologize for the layoff between episodes. As I've said before, sometimes life just gets in the way, and uh, it's been a busy couple weeks. Busy couple weeks, and I'm going to be 100% honest. Uh, last talk to you after the comeback win over Wisconsin, and the games in between, I really didn't want to sound like a broken record talking about uh, the games that have taken place since then, the road loss at Illinois, the road loss to Northwestern, and the dominating performance at home against Michigan. You know, the road games, I mean, Illinois might have been interesting to talk about. Don't think that Northwestern game would have been a lot of fun to talk about. Kind of would be the same uh, broken record of you know Nebraska on the road, the issues that have ailed them on the road throughout this campaign. Uh, and... And then Michigan, I mean, I, if, you hear, if you've heard me on various radio spots throughout the season, you, you know my thoughts on Michigan. That is a dumpster fire of the highest order, and Nebraska made them appear as such um, last Saturday, uh, winning 79-59, playing one of the best stretches of basketball that I think this team has played all season in that first half and then kind of just turning on cruise control. So it's been about two weeks since I've came at you with a pod, but um, tomorrow's game against Penn State will be the first time in a week Nebraska has played a game, and they got a little bit of time off, a little bit of rest, get their legs back under them for the stretch run. That's what I'm going to say (laughs) was the reason that I uh, haven't had a pod out in a while. I need to get my legs back out under me, rest up for what could be a very busy stretch run this basketball season. Um as I sit here recording this, fresh uh, fresh off of uh, another wonderful week of the corporate 9 to 5, and prepping for an 11 a.m. tip tomorrow, Nebraska set to host the Penn State Nittany Lions, who are currently sitting third to last in, a, in the Big Ten in a three-way tie at 6-8 and eight in conference play with Iowa and Maryland. Nittany Lions 12-13 and 13 overall in year one of the Mike Rhodes era. We'll do a little bit of a Penn State primer. I don't know if this will be out before the Penn State game. Fingers crossed. Producer Matt. Producer Matt has his computer back. Um, So big kudos to Producer Matt. Got a new computer. He'll be back in the saddle on the ones and twos for this episode. A little thank you to friend of the program, Jack Mitchell, for stepping in and producing the last podcast episode that you heard. So, What's happened in the Big Ten recently? We'll do a little bit of a look around the Big Ten. My thoughts on Nebraska at this point. There are six games left, a little in the even home split between games at Pinnacle Bank Arena and games on the road. And, you know, I talked with uh, Jack and Josh Peterson a little bit ago on Unsportsmanlike Conduct. And looking at um, the games left, you know, kind of the way that the teams line up. Um, I think I, I'm a little more weary of the home games. I know that sounds crazy with how Nebraska has looked at home so far this season with just the one blemish coming against Creighton uh, back in December. But I think this team, they you know they know what's in front of them. We heard from Fred Hoiberg today. 
And it was all business. They know that their margin for error is slim. They've put themselves in a position to be playing meaningful basketball this late in the year, which I think is the expect should be the expectation every single year for Nebraska basketball. It's not a not a conference finish number. It's not a seed line number in any tournament. I think it's just for there to for games this time of year to be meaningful uh, reason for the fan base to still be engaged and still have things to look forward to and for the team to have things in front of them to play for. And everything is still on the table for this Nebraska team with six games to go starting tomorrow against Penn State. A little refresher on the rest of the way. So sitting here recording this Friday uh, evening, the 16th of February. Tomorrow, like I said, Penn State. The next game is then on Wednesday the 21st. They go to Assembly Hall to take on Indiana. A uh, week from Sunday, Minnesota comes to town. The Golden Gophers, who were in it till the end at Mackey Arena against Purdue last night. Then a trip to Columbus to take on interim head coach Jake Diebler and the Ohio State Buckeyes. A little Big Ten coaching carousel news. We'll talk about that this pod as well. Before finishing with a return trip from Rutgers and going to Ann Arbor for the final regular season game of the season on March 10th. And then that later that week, the Big Ten tournament will get underway in Minneapolis. So that is what is still ahead for Nebraska. Nebraska currently sitting at seventeen and eight on the year, seven and seven in the league. All seven of those wins at home, all seven of those losses on the road. If the season ended today, Nebraska would be the sixth seed in the Big Ten tournament in Minneapolis. They'd get going on Thursday night, the week of the tournament in mini. So that's where things sit uh, right now. I'm not going to talk too much about that Michigan game. You know, Michigan, without their best player, Doug McDaniel, is still serving a weird only road game suspension. Uh, you know, Michigan, I mean, Michigan looked like the JV team. Nebraska, their, their offense for the first 15 minutes of that half was about as good as it's looked all season. Ball movement, cutting, passing, Everything was going in, and it you know they pulled away. They were up by thirty at one point, wound up winning by twenty, and uh, you know that they did what they needed to do, took care of business, and protected home court uh, like they have all season uh, in the league. Uh, that you know that game going to be a week ago now by the time this comes out, so I'm not going to speak too much uh, at length on it. Uh, we can look at Penn State a little bit. Uh, they are you know, like I said, they're in year one. Under Mike Rhodes, who replaced Micah Shrewsbury, Rhodes came in from VCU. Uh, when you think VCU, you think of the Shaka Smart, even the Will Wade teams. They defend. They're going to guard your ass. They're going to guard you as hard as you can, as hard as they can, for as close to 94 feet. Uh, they're going to play hard. Um, they do not. They do not rebound well. Yeah, uh, that's something that sticks out. Looking at them, um, they do not get, you know, they're they're built similar to Maryland. They play similar to Maryland. They do not rebound as well as Maryland. You know, famous last words. I say that, and we'll see how they perform on the boards against Nebraska, the old Nebraska basketball uh, tale as old as time. But the Nittany Lions are going to come in at 12-13 and 13 on the season, uh, game under five hundred in uh, year one of the Rhodes era. They have, you know, they, they, um, have some tough L's uh, throughout. They lost a Buck Nell at home earlier in the year, who's a sub-300 Ken Palm team. Uh, they t- played teams like Texas A&M and Butler and VCU, Rhodes and Ace Baldwin's former home in the non-con, lost all those games. 
but they, you know, they they play hard. I mean, they do. They play hard. They, you know, they took down Wisconsin uh, in State College when Wisconsin was still rolling. Man, they've fallen not off a cliff, but they have stumbled and fallen flat on their face these last couple of weeks. We'll talk about the Badgers a little bit as well. But their last, uh, they've been playing well as of late. They, you know, beat Rutgers at the end, they beat Rutgers by 15 at the end of January, went to Assembly Hall and beat Indiana by 15. Both those wins were on the road. So they've, they've gone out and won uh, on the road. Um, they beat Iowa in State College by 10, and they're going to be coming off back-to-back losses uh, to Northwestern at Welsh Ryan, and then they took a home loss to Michigan State by eight um, on the other night, on Wednesday night in State College. Uh, Michigan State had a big lead in that one. Penn State got back into it. Um, Penn State, very guard-heavy, guard first. Um, this is going to be an interesting, um, you know, they're going to, I don't know if I like the matchup in the backcourt with, uh, especially with Ace Baldwin. Ace Baldwin, you know, <laughs> this is where I, get that they're similar to uh, Maryland. They've got a bunch of smaller guards, but they're all tough. They're all just tough as hell, and they play hard. Uh, Ace Baldwin, I think, is the best. their best player on the team. Uh, you know, he was projected to maybe be an all-conference guy uh, coming into the year, but I think, you know, they, you know, the year one was always going to be tough. Obviously, um, Baldwin followed his head coach, to Penn State from VCU, where he was an all uh, an all league guy in the A10, right? VCU is in the A10, but uh, he he's the straw that stirs the drink. He's going to initiate that offense. Uh, Kanye Clary is their leading scorer. He's one of the few guys on this team that's not a transfer. Uh, he stuck around uh, after Micah Shrewsbury's departure last year. He's their leading scorer. 16 a game, a uh, couple assists, couple couple boards, uh, 46% from the field. He's efficient with it. Um, you know, he he's, he's listed at five. He's listed at five eleven. Baldwin's listed at six one. So they're just little. They're smaller guys, but they they play hard. That's the main um, where I get the the comp to Maryland. Uh, Cutis Wahab, who's on like his fourth school, fourth or fifth school. I feel like he started his career. At uh, Georgetown, and then he went to Maryland. Yeah, he was on Maryland a couple years ago, and then he went back to Georgetown, and now he's at Penn State. So he's transferred. He's this is on his third transfer, but only his, his third transfer in his third school. He's their leading rebounder, big dude, six um, eleven. Um, interested to see how he defends Rink Mast. I don't think he's going to be able to chase Rink Mast around the perimeter. Could have he have a a um, Ohio State type situation for Rink Mast in terms of size of guys following him around. Uh, Nick Kern Jr. six six. Uh, he's a St. Louis kid. Eight points, four boards is next. Um, you know he's another he another guy who followed Rhodes and yeah, him and Baldwin uh, came over from VCU uh, with Mike Rhodes. Uh, then they've got. Uh, Litany of transfer guys. Zach Hicks transferred from Temple. DeMarco Dunn, um, he transferred in from North Carolina, as did Puff Johnson. Um, they've got, you know, a bunch. Of, I mean, they're, almost their entire team is transfers, except for Jameel Brown and Kanye Clary. Those are kind of the guys who 
play the most that uh, stuck around uh, for sure. Then they've, I mean, they've just, yeah, almost, it's almost an entirely new team. Roster flip, year one, but, you know, they, they're, they're athletic. They've got some size inside with Wahab. Uh, he's, you know, he's experienced, but he's a little slow. I don't know if he's going to be, um, being able to chase rank master around, but on the flip side, he might be able to do some things inside Wahab averaging close to a double double on the year, but, uh, Cleary, Baldwin, Wahab, and then it's kind of, you know, some guys have stepped up, had big games, but not a lot of consistency. DeMarco Dunn, Puff, uh, Nick Kern. Uh, they kind of got some great names on this team. Kanye, Ace, Cutis, DeMarco, Puff. They got a dude named Rayquandis. Rayquandis Mitchell. Watched him play. He played with uh, played a buddy of mine's on the staff at UMKC. Watched a little Summit League ball. Watched Rayquandis take on uh, Omaha last year. Penn State's got some names. They got the, kind of the all-name team in the Big Ten. But this matchup, I mean, it's all going to be all about defense, turnovers. Uh, they're going to pressure Nebraska hard. I really think that. I think they're going to watch that Maryland film, especially um, may see some full-court pressure. I mean, it's going to be very pressure-heavy defense from Penn State, I expect. And that's, um, you know, we've seen this big lineup. That is the one thing that I missed being able to talk about with that Northwestern and Michigan games uh, was the big lineup. Uh, we've seen these last two for Nebraska um, a lineup that features Dewan Gary, Josiah Alec, and Rink Mast all on the court at the same time. Uh, mixed results at Northwestern, to say the least, but uh, did exactly what it was supposed to do against Michigan. This will be an interesting test for that lineup, I think. They, um, you know, We saw Josiah Alec have a big game against Michigan. You know, First play of the game, he went baseline for a dunk. Can he keep that momentum up against a team like Penn State? Um, you know, they, I mean, Josiah Alec knows his role. He knows what he's uh, on this team to do. We heard from him after the game, and he knows it's about crashing the boards, playing playing hard as hell, and uh, you know those 50-50 balls, winning plays, things of that sort. And you know Penn State, maybe he could do, he could repeat that, uh, get it going again. But that's kind of the look at Penn State preview. Uh, the metrics: uh, Ken Palm says Nebraska by eight. Bart Torvik says Nebraska by nine. Um, and then I do not have Evan Miyakawa pulled up yet, so I don't know what he's got the spread at. Um, spread is not – I haven't checked the spread yet. Spread is probably out um, on your local um, gambling side of choice. 11 a.m. tip tomorrow, so it is probably out. We can – this is great podcasting right here as I have my phone in my hand. Looking for a spread, and Nebraska minus 7.5. There you go. That would have been my guess. Um, total of 154.5 for tomorrow's contest, 11 a.m. at Pinnacle Bank Arena. So that is what we're looking at for tomorrow's game. Penn State, Nebraska coming off the week off. Um, critical week off, I think. I know we've seen Nebraska lay a couple eggs after um, long layoffs, the uh, biggest example was the Creighton game where they had a week off between games and took a massive dump in their pants. That was back in December. Thought the Wisconsin game at home was trending that way after five days off, but then we know how that game uh, ended. So, I mean, it's, you know, the rest will be critical, especially for guys who have just been through the grind. Guys like Rink Mast, uh, Bryce Williams, and Alec. And, you know, guys that this is, you know, they have a lot of years under their belt. Um, I know 
people are probably saying they're young anyway. They play all these games in AAU. They play multiple games a day. I mean, it's college basketball is a grind with the, the, the travel schedule, game schedule, uh, everything that goes into it. And to get a week off, I mean, they obviously still practiced, still had game prep for Penn State, but you know the rest. You know, we've seen. You know, sounds like guys on this Nebraska team have some some lingering ailments that have been bugging them throughout the year, and you know, it's good to. You know, get that week off, get the legs back under them. Huge stretch run for the program. Huge, um, you know, way to finish because there's plenty of opportunity to get some more wins before, even before they head to Minneapolis for the Big Ten tournament. So that's you know, looking at Penn State tomorrow. I mentioned the home stretch. We can kind of use that as a transition uh, into like big picture Big Ten. Um, obviously, the news of the week in the league: Ohio State. Uh, parting ways with Chris Holtman. Uh, they chose to move on on uh, earlier this week. I believe it was Tuesday that that news broke, Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, the news, you know, the rumors kind of started the night before um, into the morning and um, around lunchtime on, yeah, Valentine's Day. So now that was on Wednesday. Um, yeah, Tuesday night, um, Ohio State goes on the road and loses – uh, to Wisconsin, 62 to 54. And then, kind of, you know, the rumor mill kind of got out there. And in the morning, there's some big, um, some Ohio State, some accounts with connections to Ohio State. You know, I asked around some people that I know in the know, and they said, "Yeah, no, I think today might be the day." And little do you know, and little do we know, around lunchtime, yes, it is uh, confirmed by Jeff Goodman that Ohio State parted ways with Chris Holtman. Uh, paid his $14 million buyout uh, to not finish the season. Uh, the decision was made by outgoing Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith. Incoming Athletic Director uh, Ross Bjork will make the hire. So Jake Debor is the interim head coach. Um, Ohio State is obviously underachieved this season. They got off to a 12-2 and start. They are 2-9 and since. Uh, they still have not won a conference road game since January of uh, last year, 2023. So the January of 2023 was the last time that Ohio State won a Big Ten road game. They are currently second to last in the league, 14-11 overall, 4-10 in league play. Holtman, Holtman will land on his feet. I'm sure he will be in the mix some places, maybe somewhere like a St. Louis, um, you know, something – you know, Holtman, Holtman will be back on his feet. He's a great he's a great guy. I've never heard a bad word about Chris Holtman. Uh, spent a couple years with Michael Lewis, now the coach at Ball State, who is with Holt. Uh, Butler, I, I, I have heard nothing but good things about Chris Holtman. But it had gotten to a point at Ohio State where the bottom had fallen out, really. And I think the, the turning point was that COVID tournament loss to Oral Roberts, the Max A. Smith's Oral Roberts run where Ohio State was a two-seed, um, then I think it's kind of gone south ever since. Back-to-back years where Ohio State started hot, they and just the bottom fell out, and you know there was just no buzz. Um, I had Mark Titus, Ohio State alum, on my previous pod, and he, he's an alum, and he said that you know he thinks that Ohio State is the worst atmosphere in the Big Ten <laughs> at the, uh, the Schottenstein Center. I don't know what that atmosphere will look like, uh, in a couple weeks when Nebraska goes there, um, that'll be definitely interesting to see. And, you know, I will, I'll talk more at length about, you know, the, some carousel stuff 
as time goes on, um, I, w- I will say this. Obviously, there is some, some local intrigue. Uh, Greg McDermott, the Creighton head coach, his name has been linked heavy to Ohio State. Uh, it's not just people making rumors to make rumors, like uh, has kind of been said by some people. I mean, it, it's, it's legitimate. Uh, I have uh, good sourcing that there has been contact between Ohio State and uh, McDermott's representation, that could mean something. It could mean nothing. Obviously, McDermott turned the job down uh, seven years ago when Ohio State hired Holtman. But I have good sources that you know there, there has already been contact between the two sides. It's definitely probably – it's not definitely – not probably. It's definitely uh, Ohio State's side and you know representation, whatever the search firm that's being used for the job. Something to watch, something to monitor. Um, I don't think, you know, I'm not going to make any declarative statements. I'm not going to, you know, if I say anything about Creighton, I'll get told, oh, you're just Husker Homer honk. What do you know about Creighton? So I will not make anything declarative. I will just say that. I'll say there is definitely some local interest in the state of Nebraska in the the Ohio State opening, for sure. Um, Other Elsewhere in the Big Ten, uh, some notable Results recently, uh, like I said, uh, Minnesota. I mean, that if you'd told me before the season that I would be intently locked in on Minnesota-Purdue at Mackey Arena on February 15th, I would have laughed in your face. I would have thought they would have fired Ben Johnson by now, that their season would be over, their record would resemble Michigan. Minnesota currently sitting at 15-9 and on the year. That's a hell of a turnaround uh, for, ben, for Ben Johnson, who I th- – openly, openly referred to as a sitting duck coming into the year. And he's done pretty damn well to you know turn that around. He's probably earned another year, um, if I had to guess. And, and that's huge. That's huge for him, for the Minnesota program. And they hung with Purdue until the end last night at Mackey. They lost by eight. They were up at halftime. Uh, a couple double-digit leads blown this week. Minnesota was up 10, lost. Iowa was up 12 on Maryland. Maryland came back, won that game in College Park. There was no one at that game. Um, you know, apathy already setting in for Kevin Willard in College Park as the Terps, who were picked third in the league coming in, sit at 14 and 11, six and eight on the season. And then, then there's uh, Rutgers. Um, Jeremiah Williams, um, he transferred in to Rutgers in the offseason from, uh, oh, where did he come from? Once again, great podcasting. Temple. Temple transfer Jeremiah Williams, and he was not ruled eligible until um, a couple weeks ago, just a few weeks back, and his addition has completely changed the way Rutgers looks. Um, their, met, their metrics, they're still a top three defense and a bottom yeah, they're currently the number two defense and defensive efficiency on Ken Palm. They are the number 286th offense on Ken Palm. But Jeremiah Williams, he's only played in four games, and he is already listed at the top on records as Ken Palm as their go-to guy for being used on more than 28% of their possessions. Um, and it's no coincidence that since Williams has been granted eligibility, Rutgers is 4-0 with wins over Michigan, Maryland, a 22-point win over Wisconsin at the rack, and then they defeated Northwestern 63-60 um, this as well. So they're 4-0, and 
people were you know kind of wish casting them to maybe play their way onto the wrong side of the bubble, um, hurt your heart in a different kind of way. Um, if you're a Rutgers basketball fan, uh, you can only help but think what their season would have looked like. If Jeremiah Williams had been eligible from the start. He's pretty damn good. He's really fun. He's, I watched more of that Northwestern Rutgers game than I expected to as well, which featured an egregious ejection. Ryan Langborg giving a flagrant two. Um, I mean, that, yeah, Big Ten officials continue to Big Ten official, but I'm not going to soapbox about that. But Rutgers is on the upswing toward the end of the year, and they finish. They go Next week's huge for them. Well, sun, starting Sunday. They go to the barn, take on Minnesota, who's also on the upswing. Then they go to Mackey. They play Purdue well. They just do. They lost by eight to them at the end of January without Williams, and, you know, they – they play them well. They they Rutgers beat Purdue at Mackey when they were ranked number one, um, and the, last year they Pykel has the blueprint. Pykel and Chris Collins, uh, they have the blueprint uh, when it comes to playing Purdue. Then Rutgers goes, they host Maryland, they host Michigan, who they just beat at the start of this stretch with Williams getting eligible, and then they come to Lincoln Sunday, March third, and that game can be huge for both teams. Then they finish with Wisconsin and Ohio State. Rutgers fans, people in Big Ten circles, are kind of wish-casting, could Rutgers play their way onto the bubble? They're 14-10 and 10 right now. Um, yeah, 14-10 and 10 right now, 6-7 and seven in the league. There's a kind of a logjam. I've talked about the, the mucky middle of the Big Ten right now. Um, Purdue's still at the top, 12-2. and two. Illinois and Wisconsin, Illinois 9-4, Wisconsin 9-5. Then it get here's where the muck begins. Northwestern and Michigan State eight and six, Nebraska seven and seven, Minnesota, Indiana, Rutgers six and seven, Iowa, Maryland, Penn State six and eight. Um, that's that's the muck middle that I've been referring to uh, right now. The Big Ten projects as a six bid league. You know, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Illinois, Purdue, Northwestern, Michigan State, Nebraska. Um, I'm not going to be doing, like, bracketology run-throughs. I will promise you that. That's one thing I will not be doing <laughs> these next couple weeks on the pod is doing, like, where's Nebraska sit in bracketology. I don't want to go full Lenardi. Like, I'm, I'm, I just don't know if I want to do that. If you want me to do that, send me a DM, send me a tweet, whatever, and I'll do some bracketology stuff. But I, I'll stick to looking at my metric sites uh, like Torvik. Torvik right now is Nebraska at a 45.5% uh, chance to make the tournament. Says they'd be a 10 seed. I think 10, 10 is about right. Uh, 10 is about right, in my opinion, for Nebraska. 10 or 9, um, you know, I think that's about right, looking at it. But, yeah, around the Big Ten, you know, Michigan State. And I'll, that's what This is what I can end on. I've kind of alluded to it all year. Izzo has also kind of alluded to it all year. And I think it's something that will stick with me is Tom Izzo leaving the podium after in uh, at Pinnacle Bank Arena in December when he, you know, shout out to Graham Couch, Chris Soleri, uh, the good people who cover Michigan State. They asked all the questions, and Izzo gets up to leave and goes, ah, none of you Nebraska people asking questions. That's a good win for you. That's a good win. And, you know, people may have laughed at that at the time. And I've had some discussions with people, like, why do the metrics love Michigan State? Why does every you know, every every Everything seems to love Michigan State. And Izzo has kind of alluded to them maybe making a run. They're on that run right now. Uh, they're eight, like I said, they're 8-6. and six. Sitting at 16-9, and nine, um, they, you know, if you look at, you know, they're just getting hot at the right time. They beat 
Illinois, um, you know, last weekend in, in East Lansing by eight, uh, went on the road to Penn State, won by eight. Um, you know, they're they're peaking. They are peaking at the right time. I just don't know who at Fox thought it was a good idea to put Michigan, Michigan State in primetime tomorrow night on Fox. Um, America is going to get a front row seat to a primetime ass whooping. Um, <laughs> Michigan State's going to go to Ann Arbor and uh, lay that, lay it, lay it to uh, Jawan Howard and crew. But then Michigan State has Iowa, Ohio State, at Mackey, Sunday, March, Saturday night, March 2nd. That'll be a huge game. And then Northwestern and Indiana. Uh, Michigan State might get to 21, 22 wins with ease <laughs> unless they they stub their toe. And, you know, they started the season, preseason top five, and then they lost their opening game to James Madison. But I'm not going to go full uh, January, February Izzo, but Michigan State has found something. They're on the upswing and they're peaking at the right time. So that's a look around the Big Ten. Um, games to watch these next couple of days in the league uh, that do not involve the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Uh, tomorrow, Wisconsin-Iowa. Interesting. Interested. Um, I'll have to you know, catch the end of that uh, driving back from the game in Lincoln. Uh, in Iowa City, Wisconsin favored by a point and a half. Illinois-Maryland in College Park. Also interesting. I'm not so interested in Michigan State-Michigan. Uh, Sunday, Purdue goes to Ohio State. Welcome to the job, Jake Diebler. What a what a welcome present. Um, yeah, you're the coach for the rest of the season. Uh, you gotta gotta get that Purdue scout ready. Um, and then Northwestern Indiana Sunday afternoon, and Rutgers Minnesota Sunday night at the barn. Those are the Big Ten games. Um, you know, Tuesday night there's a couple too, um, but then. Wednesday, Nebraska goes to Assembly Hall. We'll have a preview for that game coming back. Um, my thoughts on the current state of affairs at Indiana, the preview of the Hoosiers. Uh, they're 14-10 and 10 right now. It's been a rough go of things. Um, I think that Ohio State choosing to fire Chris Holtman when they did probably had people raise their uh, eyebrow, You know, set some alarms off in Bloomington looking at some possible decisions. We'll talk about that more on the next pod. We're going to kind of try to go rapid fire. Um, we're, um, I have committed to producer Matt a two-pod-a-week uh, schedule uh, the rest of the year. We're going to aim for Tuesdays and Fridays uh, the rest of the season. Um, I know two weeks off. I got to – I got to – I got – I people were at, you know, people wondering, where's the pod? How's the pod been? What's wrong? And I just – I just need a break. I didn't want to sound like a broken record talking about rebounds and turnovers because uh, Fred Oiberg sounded like a broken record talking about rebounds and turnovers on the road. But um, we're back. We're here. Um, Nebraska-Penn State this weekend. Uh, we'll have something to you on either Monday or Tuesday to recap, look around uh, the Big Ten. And, uh, yeah, so thanks for tuning in. Appreciate all everyone who's been interacting with us on social media. Send an email to the show if you have any questions, things you want me to touch on on the pod, uh, stretchbigpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at stretchbigpod. You can follow me on there if you feel so inclined, if you don't already, at Jacob A. Bigelow. Be sure to do your podcast chores. Leave a review. Uh, subscribe. Follow the show. Tell a friend. It's going to be a fun rest of February and start of March in Husker Hoops land. Um, We'll have some coaching carousel intel as well. I think this coaching carousel is about to get wild. It's going to, you know, could be some big openings, some big jobs. Especially, it could be some big movement in the Big Ten. 
as well. So tune in here. I'm, I'm going to be saving some nuggets just for the pod, just for podcast listeners. Um, once again, appreciate everyone for tuning in. Be sure to tell someone you love them this weekend. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.